0: Just a quick warning that we will be discussing gender dynamics, sexual abuse, abusive dynamics, sex work, death, exploitation, etc. If you are sensitive to any of these themes, it might be best to just sit this one out.
1: Welcome to a hopeless endeavor, a Joanna Newsom podcast. My name is Sam. I live in Vancouver.
0: And my name is Dinky. I live in Ithaca, in upstate New York. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are thrilled to have you join us on the endeavor that is trudging through the beautiful and tragic depths of "Have One On Me," the song. This is part two. We think, um, yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, I think, exploring this. Sam was just telling me about how stoked she is on our syphilis analyses. Uh- <laughs> uh,
1: and this ode to Lola Montez yeah. is absolutely incredible. Um, it's just a really fun song to talk about for hours and hours. And hours. <laughs> right, which
0: we have done already. So, I mean, you guys, if you haven't paid your respects to linda montez please take this opportunity to do so we'd love to have you on our adventure with us thank you so much for listening if you're still here um thank you so much for listening enjoy and send us your feedback uh we want to hear your thoughts feelings emotions whatever covers send them our way yeah okay enjoy you guys bye
1: Bye. Um, okay, second verse. Let's get this together. <laughs> <Holy> <laughs> Do you wanna shit. read okay. it?
0: Sure, yeah, okay. So Second verse goes by the time you read this, I will be so far away. Daddy long legs, how in the world am I to be expected to stay? In the night, in the night, you may hear me call. Pa, stay your hand and steal your resolve. Stay where you are, so long and tall. Uh, so already we're like changing time.
1: Mm-hmm
0: from the previous verse as we've kind of talked about this seems to be coming in the form of a letter to Louis from Lola
1: having mm-hmm. I mean, Presum- after she would have had to flee um Bavaria because uh, he had to give up his throne um mm-hmm. And all of that, like uh the political discourse surrounding that. Um yeah. and people wanted her out. Like I read somewhere that they like the, the Jesuit Catholics offered her fifty thousand francs a year <laughs> to yeah. leave the country. And people said, hated no. her. Um
0: I mean, even if you just imagine something in the modern era, like mm-hmm. imagine Joe Biden just on the side of Jill Biden, yeah. Dr. Jill Biden, had this fucking mistress who we knew was like Republican leaning and started like feeding all these Republican thoughts to Joe Biden. Like people yeah. would lose their minds, understandably, like, no, get her out of here. Like yeah. you didn't run on this platform. Kings are different. They didn't run on fucking shit. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I mean, still, I get I get that. Being like, no, 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 no. Like, this imposter who isn't even currently a Bavarian citizen, right, Yeah, doesn't get to decide that we're a socialist country all of a sudden, uh, As as sympathetic as I am towards that position. So they wanted her the fuck out. She has to flee. I'm curious about, like, how in fear of her life she was here and how much of the pressure to leave came from the king saying, like, a I
1: can't protect you anymore.
0: Yeah. yeah. Or like deal with this. I want to keep my position, which he doesn't end up doing. He ends up giving it up to his son, but which is like, ooh, small
1: problem. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Really. Oh my god. Thank you so much for your large sacrifice of giving <laughs> yeah. it to your fucking son. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh it's also the first of the spider mentions, which I think mm-hmm. is cool. Um, I had noted that uh there's this myth surrounding uh, daddy long legs spiders that they're venomous and deadly but that the myth was that like yeah they have this venom yeah maybe they're deadly but their fangs are too short to pierce human skin and apparently this is not true at all and they don't have venomous glands um <laughs> but i thought it was just interesting in the sense of like there's this older man who has this venomous power of sorts um that may or may not have poisoned the way she thought yeah. Um and she's leaving that and like just the the physicality of those long legs reaching out maybe reaching after her cuz it really seems like she's saying um, you know stay your hands still resolve stay where you are so long and tall like don't follow me yeah um and i'm sure he couldn't follow her know. It's not like, it's also like, you know, what the fuck year is it now? It's 1850 something, 1860 something. She's not hopping on a plane. <laughs> like, no.
0: She has to like skedaddle on a train. I don't have, even know. I don't know what A carriage? Were. Yeah. Like, I don't
1: know. And then a boat?
0: Yeah. Um, like to America, man. That's yeah. crazy. Or Australia or wherever she goes. Yeah. But, but yeah, like the idea. So I, i am so into here i mean a couple things like first this is the first spider reference as you said sam which is just even more prevalent throughout the song than i initially thought which is already a lot mm-hmm. um it's the first daddy slash paw reference which comes up again and again it's also i mean it's mentioning expectations and then there's this this ah uh, Super compelling part of this last half of the verse to me, which is in the night you may hear me call, paw, stay your hand and steal your resolve, stay where you are so long and tall. This is occurring in the second verse of the song. We will later get to the point where she's like, hey, I called to you several times while the change took place and then arrived all night. So in the night, she is calling to him. And even though earlier in the song, we have heard her say to him, stay the fuck there. Yeah, she's now being like, what the fuck? You didn't come. Like, I died. The change took place and then arrived and I died.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I really love this not super straightforward and simple narrative where Lola is our hero yeah. and she has been saying one thing throughout this song and she's being disrespected by men. Like, no, there's this whole social dynamic happening where she's like, no, I'm independent, I'm fine stay there it's best for all of us if you stay there uh stay your hands Steal your resolve by the way this is the first time I ever heard the expression steal your resolve somehow like 11 years ago and I am in love with that that expression I just love the idea of like turning
1: your resolve your will into steel
0: yeah it's just nice And And I love
1: that she's giving him advice at this point, too. um, Because there is that, what we assume to be, from what we've read, this, like, level of mutual respect and admiration. Yeah. Maybe he does want to, maybe his heart wants to follow her um, and flee as well. But yeah, uh, it's probably not as easy for a king to escape. Um, But her face must have been very recognizable, too, at that time, right? Like, everyone knew who she was. (laughs) Um, So... This is, I'm sure, a
0: very dumb statement, but like before the camera was a thing and was Mm -hmm. popular, how the fuck did anybody knew who each other was? Like, how did you know you were walking across the king on the street other than like that they would have like fans or whatever? Like, I don't know how anybody knew who anybody was. I guess portraits, but Jesus. Yeah.
1: I mean, I see a few painted portraits of her. There's for sure some photography when we get to the time uh, when she's a dancer. Um, right, right, But there is like this portrait um of her with these huge eyes, um as yeah. a younger girl um, okay, so I also went down a small rabbit hole um, when I started thinking about spiders, and I didn't get a chance to read the entire novel, but um. Uh, because we talked about spiders so much and because we talked about Nabokov so much, uh, there is this story he wrote called Invitation to a Beheading, also because we talked about beheading <laughs> in the first yeah. verse. Have you read it? No, no, no. Okay. no. so this was before he wrote Lolita. Um, and very briefly, it's like the story of this man in prison. It's the final 20 days of Cincinnatus. C who, uh, we don't really know where he's from or really what he did either to end up in prison and to be sentenced to death. He was charged with gnostical turpitude. Um, he's the only prisoner, um, in this prison and, uh, the entire story is kind of just goofy and silly. He dances with his prison guard. His wife comes to visit him, and when she does, brings like all of their furniture from their house. Um, and he never really gets to visit with her because she's too busy kissing her lover. Um, she brings the children, but <laughs> the children really don't have any desire to speak to their imprisoned father. Um, and from what I understood, the like, without reading the whole thing, um, uh, the theme of the story is kind of like this question that is like, why even begin living when death is imminent? All these implications of our own morality um, and then all of these questions about security, uh, Cincinnatus asks, like in this world, can there be any of any kind of uh, security at all? There's also this spider that's in his cell. That the prison guard brings food for, but at the end of the story, we find out that the spider was a toy. Um, they bring moths for the spider to feed on. I was like, "Ooh, cosmia." Um, oh yeah. Um, yeah, but then this just like general question of life that I think uh, we addressed wholeheartedly, <laughs> and Joanna addresses wholeheartedly throughout uh, *Ease*. But then it just made me think about um, the fact that. The spiders that Lola is dancing with are imaginary, and the spiders oh, in yeah. um, uh, "Invitation to Beheading" are also imaginary. And then, right. how much that has a role uh, within the rest of the story? Right. Um, That's a
0: really cool yeah. parallel, Sam. Because, like, there, <laughs> there is this certain. <sighs> fakeness slash like performative shit that's happening in in both those stories I think so I mean I only know the Nabokov story in as far as you've explained it here but um like here there is this like lore I guess about about Lola and her like both threateningness with her spider dance and her impotence in a way right because the spider isn't fucking real yeah there is this like pretending that is happening in both these things that is just it's kind of heartbreaking because there's these things that people can like put on or like whatever dance with and like they're not actually threatening right it's like I might appear to be really powerful but like really in the end I'm still a woman who's dancing for you Like Bear is, right? And so like in the same way that people would be like scared, like the children would shriek throwing coins at her feet and recalling in terror, Mm -hmm. like Bear's not actually powerful. She's not actually threatening, but she seems it. Um, She's pretending to be at least. She's like putting on this like very brave front. Um, Yeah. I, I thought too, sort of in the same vein, it's interesting that this verse ends with Lola saying to Louis, stay where you are so long and tall, because I don't know about you, like longness and tallness, I guess, put together reminds me of kind of like a shadow of a person oh, rather sure. than the person themselves. So the way that our shadows can be stretched out and just like taller than we are. um, And I thought that was maybe just like an interesting take on the theme throughout this song of like being almost ourselves, but not, right? Like projecting this certain image or or shadow or whatever it is like that isn't truly us but that people are reacting to rather than like they're real us there's this performative aspect that is depressing
1: yeah and that would also uh in the same respect be something that a king experiences as well or that nobility would experience as well right like the shadow of your power that he may or may not be within um yeah Control of, yeah. um, or perception of, um, yeah, so long and tall. Less referring to his physical body and more to like his reign or yeah, reputation. Um, reputation, yeah, reputation. yeah. Um, and probably because like, of that, how much of a choice does he actually have to leave?
0: Right, <clears throat> right. So I mean, like the whole idea of royalty being a thing is pretty much predicated on the idea that there is this, like, divine rights theory in place, which is that, like, there really is something God-given and special about you if you are born in royal blood, right? And so I don't know about Ludwig I's particular history, but, like, this is just the case with kings, that, like, if you have royal blood in you, you are raised to believe and and not just that doesn't end at your child rearing it is just like a thing that that everyone believes that you are chosen by god to be the ruler of this place and so you're special in this way and this like like there's something super deflating about the idea that like all of those people throughout all of history were just men they were just yeah. dudes that yeah. are so flawed and so Like anybody you went to fucking high school with who is like a privileged dick, like it's just a dude who like has way too much power at his hands.
1: And that's what kings are. Or special or creative or talent-driven. No. Any of those
0: things. Exactly. Congratulations. Your father had money. Like great. You're so respectful because of that. And I, I just feel like there's something, there's something that she's speaking to here with her like focusing on these like shadows of oneself or like these reputations rather than like the person or it, it's not even sorry it's not even like one at the expense of the other it's that she's like she's bringing both thi- both things into play here she's like making us consider Lola's reputation along with her actual person and her actual feelings she's making us do the same with with Louie though that we're supposed to think of, like, him being in love with her and just a dude who's infatuated with a woman who's, like, finally able to, like, you know, just g- give an opinion to him. Uh, while at the same time having to reckon with this long and tall shadow of himself that everyone is – is like that's playing this causal role in people's lives.
1: And I'm just reading a little bit about his life here, too. Um And the idea of his shadow, like, there was a certain point, uh, the revolutions of 1848 happened, and there was a certain point where not only his own royal family, but the cabinet turned against him. Um, and it had a lot to do with the decisions that were influenced by Lola. Um, he had so far been able to kind of appease the protests against her, but when the royal family and the cabinet turned against him, um, there's this part, uh, this line where he had to let Lola be searched by the police, um, which was the worst humiliation for him. And I wonder if it's the worst humiliation because he thought them both above the law in that sense. Yeah. If it was like the realization that neither of them were above it or that it was yeah. just like he couldn't protect her from that right. anymore. Um, and soon right. after... Uh, three days after that was when he abdicated the throne to his his eldest son. Um, it's a yeah. bit baffling to me and
0: really fascinating and also sad that just in the course of less than 200 years, right? This is only in like 1840s-ish that this is all happening. That in less than 200 years, like trying to just speculate on and slash like like even in the slightest little bit be able to accurately put ourselves in the shoes of these people is just so it's just we don't have that ability anymore like things are so different that we just don't know what the humiliation there would have been because like things are just different like we can't just say like if it were about a a modern day dude and like the police searched that person we could say like yeah it's probably just like whatever it's like a humiliation because the power dynamic or whatever Mm -hmm. it's fascinating to me that like that perspective taking is lost to all but like you know historian academics who like have a very intimate knowledge of like this particular Bavarian dynamic between like who like it's just sad I don't know okay
1: Next verse. Yes, please, Cement. So we are assuming now that she has fled um, Bavaria. Our next verse is, without this being on a specific timeline, as we've said, um, but our next verse is, Here's Lola, tada, to do her famous spider dance for you. Lighten up your pockets. Shake her skirts and scatter there. A shrieking six-legged millionaire with a blight in his sockets. Um, yeah. so I believe was the United States where she first did the spider
0: dance? Hmm, I don't know. In She's my head, gonna... it was in Europe first, but I
1: don't, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Toured Australia in, uh, September 1855, she performed her erotic spider dance in Melbourne. Okay. So in Australia um, first? Uh, yes. Okay. Melbourne, Australia. Um, uh so lighten she up your pockets. Fled. She's fled. She's left Bavaria. Yeah. Um and she's doing this really, 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 really scandalous um reinvention of herself. Um, you know, she's not wearing anything under these uh these dresses she's performing in, um, which must have just been shocking at the time. Um and, and uh, like
0: I'm not a prude, but, like, it would be a crazy thing for me right now to just go, like, flash my crotch at somebody. Like, that would be a crazy thing. This woman is growing up and living in not just the Victorian area, but, like, literally royalty within yeah. the Victorian area. it's like, fuck it. I'm just going to, like, not have underwear on and flash my – lift my skirt up. Like, yeah. And I
1: wonder how much of her reputation followed her. Like, when yeah. she went to perform these dances, did people know that she was a countess in Bavaria before that? Or was she just a new, newly arrived performer? Like, how much did she have to reinvent herself at each step?
0: It's a I great wonder. question. And it's, I mean, obviously the internet didn't exist, but like, even I'm unclear about what kind of journalism existed such that like different countries would be talking to each other. Like, and I how assume much that not that news much. Spread. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause like who cares about some European woman who like whatever danced like she's not a powerful woman. She like, unless she's with a King, she's not like, she's a sex worker. Right. And so like, why would Australia ever heard of her? Uh, but maybe who knows, who knows? Um, also, I really just love the line to duh to do like that. Just like beautiful little, I love it. I don't know. Um, Okay, and also it took me forever. Like, dude, I did like stupid amounts of Googling of like different combinations of like scattering, shrieking six-legged millionaires. I was like, what is she talking about? And blights and sockets. My, I think, theory, like the best thing that I can come up with here is that she's talking about... um, So... If she is doing the spider dance, she now, even though she's called Louis already, Daddy Long Legs, right? Um, she is now, I think, maybe perhaps assuming the role of spider, at least from the audience's perspective. She is the spider, and the shrieking six-legged millionaire is, to me at least, reminiscent of the six-legged bugs that spiders would trap in their webs and then devour, right? And okay. so this, like, very sexist idea that – I was trying to explain this to my partner. Like, that that feminine wiles is – A just the phrase, feminine wiles, exactly. (laughs) Man, it's just laughable. Exactly, I'm so glad that you just immediately got what I was saying because, like, yeah, I was trying to explain this, but like, if you're not a woman, I'm sure it would be difficult to get. But like, the idea that you are doing something tricky or mischievous or suspicious or magical, right? You're calculated in manipulating this guy with your fucking sexual prowess and like it is on you to not manipulate these guys it's the same narrative that we're fed when in grade school as 12 year old and under a girl as we're being told to not wear spaghetti straps because it entices dudes it's the same thing Mm -hmm. it's like no no no. Mm -hmm. i'm not doing anything this it's all on you it's all on you right and so yeah I think that maybe her description of these millionaires who are like scattering their money towards her um, and lightening their pockets um, are, so again, sorry, this is like a sort of like a shift in the narrative, right? So I don't think this is from Lola's perspective. I don't think it's from Louis's perspective because he's not in Australia. I think it might be the first shift to the audience's perspective um, when she's saying, here's Lola, sorry, when. When Joanna is singing, here's Lola to do her famous butter dance for you, lighten up your pockets. Um, And it's sort of more like a glimpse into what the public might perceive of Lola, which is this feminine, wiles, seducing, manipulative, magical, hypnotic, whatever woman who is fucking over all of these dudes who like otherwise would maintain their rationality but just cannot help themselves in the face of such sexual overtness like how what are they supposed to do Sam poor dudes (laughs) right so like I think that that in describing them as six-legged she's sort of making them sound like the prey to Lola's spider-ness uh I don't know I don't know did you make any like did you have a theory about this
1: Uh, only in that i watched um uh, other people perform her spider dance and it's so cool it's so much fun it's so much physical comedy it's so much (laughs) like she the people who were doing it the, the few that i watched there's so much presence in replicating this dance um i wish that i could uh, could have seen Lola herself do yeah. it. Um and I think the only impression that I got from that was that just like um the people who are watching her are millionaires in the sense that they're the ones giving her the money. They're the ones lightening up their pockets. Yeah uh, with donations for her, with payment for the show. Um But that the blight in the sockets might also be that they can't see, like, the whole picture. Yes. Um, Yes. That they only see what she decides to present to them. And it's like you said um, when you were – you had mentioned that show that she did in Australia where she said, um, like, she did her whole performance. And then she said, I just need to clarify (laughs) a few (laughs) things for you men in the audience. Um, It gave me that same kind of vibe. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I
0: love that you said that. I mean, I also spent a while trying to f- figure out the blight part, the blight in his sockets part. And there are two different sort of lines of thought that I had about this. Um, One is along the lines of what you were saying, Sam, so that these men are blinded because of this blight, right? So blight being like some kind of disease or like uh, disabling sort of condition that can be attributed to different things so like plants can have blights that can destroy them right but eyes can have blights too which can destroy them and so on the one hand you have this like metaphorical like you are metaphorically blinded by her feminine wiles right you have no control as a dude over uh whatever she's blinding you with her shit whatever okay so that's like one interpretation i think um Another thing that I thought was maybe interesting was that, so we didn't really get into how Lola died at the age of 39. Mm -hmm. And there are sort of, I mean, as you said, Sam, like there's just not a super clear account of the end of her life. But one, at least of the two theories that I've seen is that she died of syphilis. Mm -hmm. What's the other contender?
1: I don't know. The only one that I had seen um, was that she died of syphilis, what's I I didn't want to believe because it just seemed like such a fucking like punishment for having lived yeah. her life the way um, that these male journalists had reported she had. Um, yeah.
0: Oh, I think pneumonia. I think pneumonia was pneumonia. the other one. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, either way, it's just kind of like, oh, it feels preventable. But, uh, you know, we're in the 1800s. So, um... Yeah, I think that maybe.
1: Hold on, sorry. I just found a... Oh, Oh, bitch. Ooh, cool. Uh, Last Days of Lola Montez. We noticed, so this is uh, 18 February, 1861. We noticed by the New York papers that this famous woman, although she lived a fast life, closed her career (laughs) in a very creditable and Christian manner. Ugh. The New York Evening Post makes the following mention of her death. Uh, She died in the midst of paltry splendor, which was so long her glory and her shame. I don't like the tone with which this is written. No. Disabled by sickness and deprived of all claims, according to worldly principles, upon any such association, she here found a self-denying friend who soothed her dying moments and led her to take refuge in the consolation of her Christian faith. Fuck that. So it just seems like in her weakest stage, in her weakest moments, yeah. um, she was kind of forced to accept yeah. religion in order to have like a peaceful departure. And that sucks. And I mean, it's
0: so subject to who is writing history and it
1: Yes, I, oh very much so.
0: Knowing we know that everything. Like, just with the
1: first paragraph here, who lived a fast life? Like, yeah, exactly. out of here. Exactly. And so
0: whether or not she actually accepted religion is, like, very much, I think, an open question. But like you said, like, even just the idea that she was subjected to this kind of pressure, like, that she was even, like – that people were trying to be like, oh, 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 oh. Like, now that you die, you have to be Christian. Or, like, now that you're vulnerable, you need to be subservient in the way that you have never been in your life. Um, yeah, I, I don't know.
1: It's just very sad. But, yeah, it's just very sad. It just um, says paralysis as a cause of death in this one here, too. Which, who the fuck knows? It's 1861. Who the fuck knows? that actually means. Um,
0: so. So one thing I was thinking, uh, and again, like, take this with a grain of salt just because of, like, the fact that the cause of her death is disputed, I think, is something to keep in mind. But when we're talking about, like, I think there might be, like, a double entendre of the blightness sockets part. So it could be, like, look, I am metaphorically blinded by your feminine wiles, but also syphilis which is one of the things that she is purported to have died from um is something that can affect the eyes and cause Mm -hmm. people to go blind or to like have you know um, impaired vision and so I I kind of just like the idea that here look she's shown up in Australia now and there's this dude who's like pining after her and like throwing money at her but also who is just like teeming with disease right who's teeming with this infection that you know she has to subject herself to in order to get by as proud as she is it's just a reality of fucking capitalism right like you just need to one other thing too is that I really 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 love I don't know there's something so nice to me about or like nice is the wrong word, but whatever. Not satisfying to me about the transition from the previous verse, which is a letter to Louis. Like, by the time you read this, I'll be so far away. Please like stay your hands, still resolve, stay where you are so long and tall. And then life just goes on for Lola. She's and on are, stage next. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, like, we don't get to wallow in this, like, oh, Louis, I miss you. And I, like, I wish I were there in Bavaria. Like, no, she has to keep fucking dancing. And so she's now in Australia and we're there with her. Like, life goes on. Yeah. Um,
1: At least to some extent,
0: you know, the long road will begin and end with Louis. But, you know, we'll get there.
1: I think you mentioned, too, just the, the use of the word shrieking is something that was used in Monkey and Bear as well. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's just a cool, I want to assume that's, uh, that's intentional.
0: Yeah. I love that connection. So between both shrieking and sort of like throwing money yep. at the performer in question. So like in monkey and bear, we have the children would shriek throwing mm-hmm. coins at her feet and recoiling with terror. And here we have the six legged millionaire, like, you know, shaking, Oh, 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 a Another thing, I'm glad that we started talking about this. So lightening up his pockets by throwing money at her Mm -hmm. and then shrieking in like a way that feels too robust to be coincidental almost, right? Like the idea of like shrieking is such a specific word, which is like, I am both frightened by and entertained by the shit that you are doing. And it is the same goddamn shit that's happening with poor bear, yeah, Like, just dancing and, like, exerting her wildness and sexuality and people being like, oh, my God, that's so captivating but also scandalous and we have to punish you for it. Yes. Like, the same yes. shit is happening with poor Lola. Um, And then I also had read this on Genius. Let me just quickly, quickly, quickly look at who the contributor was. Uh, Brian's username is the contributor. But I really love the idea that this is – so there are a, c- a couple places throughout this song that I think are maybe contrasted with Only Skin. And this is one of them. So the spider thing first of all is I think maybe the most obvious one, especially for me. Like I was just like a couple hours before we started recording editing our part 4 Only Skin episode, which is like the part where we start talking about spiders. And so like this connection was just made more obvious to me just because of my like particular day. But then also, um, this this user on Genius had pointed out that, um, like, think back to how prominent a role pockets played in Only Skin, and the symbolism that was contained therein, like the heavy pockets, the dude picking running with your his pocket, linings. yes, picking through your pocket linings, um, running with your hands in your pockets, right? Like this, this image she had evoked of this person who's being like sexually repressed in particular and then this idea of the person in this song being kind of liberated in that respect like because the the pockets are light now she's not like weighed down with these heavy pockets you know with like expect like feminine expectations of or these expectations that are put on women to like repress their sexuality and like provide for men. She's like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. I'm going to strip and it's going to be like for my benefit. But there's this like, it's this double bind that this feminist author, Marilyn Fry often talks about, which is that women are stuck in this goddamn trap where no matter what we do, we're fucked. Right. So if we are, uh, If we have sex with a bunch of people, we are sluts and whorish and condemned because we're dirty and like reprehensible and don't have like a good sense of morality. If we are not sexually adventurous with people, then we're prudes and like are condemned for that in this very like different way. But like there is just no, there's nothing right that we can do, right? And it's not like an accident, right? These like, it's not an accident that people are just condemning women for whatever their choices are. And I feel like I get the same vibe here where, like, in Only Skin, this woman's pockets are heavy. She's, like, providing for this man and nurturing him. Here, we're talking about pockets being light and Lola is being, like, sexually explicit. But also, she's condemned for that goddamn thing. Like, what are we supposed to do?
1: And I wonder how much, too, it has to do with, like, she's saying lighten up your pockets. Like, I wonder how much it is that, like... Her performance or her presence as a performer or her ability as a woman to kind of like carry that burden for um, those men who are watching. And as you're talking about this, like, you know, the this duality in feminism, this like stuckness, um, there's still that shrieking, right? Like it's still not a not a wholly pleasurable thing for for poor Lola.
0: For poor Lola. And people are going to be afraid of you no matter what. Like, they're afraid of your power that you're supposed to be keeping, like, really under wraps. And that Lola has just never been good at being like, no, I'm going to conceal this and, like, be secretive about the the power that I can exert over people. Yeah. It's weird because at the same time, like, I'm of a double mind about this. On the one hand, I want to say fuck everybody for thinking that there's something that is feminine wiles and like, Oh my God, like the women have taken control over you poor men. And on the (laughs) other hand, I want to be like, no, there is this thing that women can learn to take advantage of, which is a super sad, like reckoning where you have to be like, Oh, I actually can get a bunch of stuff that I want with my body. It like will involve me. Like probably at least for a lot of people, emotionally like numbing myself to the situation but it's not as though people don't want what I have to give I will be punished for it in a number of different respects but I at least have some means to power as opposed to just like what are women supposed to do in the 1800s you can't own property like what are you supposed to do selling your body seems like a real good way in that context to get any semblance of power
1: and freedom to, Frieda, yes, to be yeah. able to travel all yes. of the places she traveled, that was one of the most um, exciting things about her life, I think, is how different it would have been for a woman who yeah. wasn't Lola. Um, yeah. To be able to travel to all the places she did and experience all the things that she did, she had to have that very specific awareness of yeah. the structures surrounding her. Um yeah, you know, and the ability to play into those
0: those like roles, man. Like, if you think of, imagine that you like Sam were like just suddenly like transplanted from where you are right now to some fucking country that you are unfamiliar with. You don't know the customs there. You don't know anything there, like you don't have any money you don't know how to survive like what is the one thing you could do that's pretty reliable you could just be like oh i'll just appease some dude like i guess that's what i can do yeah Yeah. it's it's very relatable in this super sad way that has persisted throughout you know more than 200 years it's not as though lola invented this um yeah. But it's I don't that know.
1: that bravery she has and that constant reinvention. Yes. Um, that I think you mentioned earlier, that is so, so, so interesting. Yeah. Um.
0: And that Joanna explicitly calls out as being one of the reasons she's so interested in this character, in this person, not character, is that is that as a matter of survival, she's had to reinvent herself and sort of just start over a bunch of times. Um yeah. And God, that's relatable. God, that's relatable. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And then she says, Miss Montez, the Countess of Lansfeld, appealed to the king of Bavaria saying, pretty papa, if you are my friend, Mr. Daddy Longlegs, they are at it again. Can I see you?
0: So, like, right off the bat, one of the first things I love about this is just the immediate um, sort of, like, contraposition of names that she goes by here. Like, so we know her. What's the first thing she calls herself? Is it Lola? Miss Montez. Miss
1: Montez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Countess of Landhold. <sighs> yeah. She's using more formal language here, too, I guess. Right? Um, From Lola and Pa to um, yeah. Miss Montez, the Countess, and the King of Bavaria.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm actually, because of that very reason, Sam, I, I'm not convinced this is her speaking. I, maybe, perhaps, mm, this is the audience from the Here's Lola. Here's Lola to to do her yeah, famous dance.
1: And or uh, like a tertiary narrator of right. some sort. Right. Um,
0: right because you're right these are like these are like formal titles you wouldn't know your lover as Miss Montez mm-hmm. and you know we're not talking about the king of Bavaria here as Louis we're talking about him as like the king of Bavaria and the countess of Lansfeld um, and and even in like the most intimate language we get in this verse which is like pretty papa if you're my friend
1: it's just a description of what Lola says to him yeah this is in quotations though Right, pretty papa if you are my friend mr. daddy long legs they are at it again can I see you in this I just took to mean kind of like a almost like a pleading for his help or something yeah me too Um, like uh, almost like a, we can band together yeah um, they are at it again as in like <laughs> um, makes me think of the dogs snapping um, and you cuff their collars yeah Like, help me. Um, Yeah. They're doing it again. Like, these people are after me. Like, uh, their opinions or uh, their um, publications are kind of thwarting what um, uh, my intentions are or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Can I see you? Like, can you help me out in some sense? Get me out of here. Right. Uh, and this is starkly in contrast,
0: right, with um like a couple of verses ago now when she said like, hey, you know, stay your hands, stay resolve, stay where you are mm-hmm. so long and tall. And now she's like, Hey, can I please just see you? Like, maybe it's been long enough since she said that, or maybe she's just like, oh, actually I can't take it. Like I can't deal with this on my own. Um but also there's, there's something so devastating to me about the word friend here because she's saying like almost I don't know, picture somebody like that you're in a relationship with and just saying to them like if you're my friend like Mr. Daddy Long Legs, can I see you again? Like, um, or they're at it again can I see you? It's almost, I see it as her like trying to appeal to this person's because there are always these different facets of these relationships that we're involved with, right? So like with my partner, like there is this like like a romantic sense in which we're involved, but also there's this friendship, right he I tell him everything in a way that that I don't tell other people, and she's like appealing to that like deepest sort of connection like with or without the romance. like if you're my friend at the bare minimum, can you do this I need you, right. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to show up for her.
1: And it's conditional too, right? Like, if you are my friend, then I need you to do this for me. Um, Yeah. And
0: twice in this one quotation, she says, she refers to him as like her father figure in some way. So pretty papa, Mm. if you're my friend, Mr. Daddy Long Legs. Yeah,
1: I'm just gonna look up how old is he compared to her. That's a good question. I don't know at this time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And how much does that? She was born. Well, okay, he was born.
0: As you do that, I'm just gonna 17- let my dog in.
1: Eighty-six. <laughs> oh. Oh my god. He lived until he was oh, so eighty-one. Oh, How unfair! I know. I know. I know. Hi, Aussie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hi,
0: Ozzy. So many hours since I've seen you, but I missed you, so much. I missed you so much.
1: Oh my goodness! I love the Pink Floyd hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> it's too cute.
0: It was a bit too small for him, even even though I got him a large
1: you oh just a he's just big. a big guy
0: yeah he's a muscular man okay can you lie down in your bed thank you so much that is so nice of you lie down so, oh did you my
1: god so she was born in 1821 okay and he was born where did my link go he was born in 1786. So he was 40-something by the time she was born. Oh, dude. He was old. So he's got to be, at this time, she's 20-something. He's got to be in his 60s, oh, 70s. Oh, God. Right? Yes. Oh, shit. Okay. This is 1846. 1846. I mean, I'm cool with age differences. This is just a really big one. And he lives. uh, You were getting Aussie as I realized this, but he lives until he's 81. Wow. um, Which isn't that much longer after she left. Like he dies in 1868. She Um, leaves
0: in 1848?
1: You know what? He still outlives her, though. Cause she oh. dies in 1861,
0: which oh my just
1: sucks, God. and she's only 30. Well, I saw 39, and then the obituary I saw 42, and again, it's I'm sure it's debatable because uh, there were those rumors about her like lying about yeah. uh, her actual birth year. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he still lives her is kind of brutal. I wonder if he knew that she died. It's horrible. I also wonder that, too. Like,
0: dude, just the idea that he outlives her when she's 20-something and he's 60-something
1: when they're together is – I don't even know how to describe that. Okay. So for sure, calling him papa makes sense at this point. Um, Okay. Next verse
0: yes ma'am so we are at is it you or me?
1: Uh, your turn we're at poor Lola
0: Okay, so she sings poor Lola a tarantula's mountain countess Lansfield's handsome Brazier, while they all cheer and the old king fell from grace while Lola fled to save face
1: and her career This, uh, as we are talking about the age of the king, I just picture like this old graying tarantula um, mounting her brassiere and how threatening and yucky that is. Um, I think this is probably a reference to like that uh, infamous meeting of theirs. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, this... I mean, she, if I'm right,
0: Sam, like I, you know more about, like, you know more about this than I do, but if I'm right, she only danced ever with fake spiders, right? She didn't have live spiders in
1: her act. Yeah, that was my understanding that they were like a rubber, at least from the the videos that I watched that reenacted her dance. Yeah, it was like a,
0: hmm. uh, yeah,
1: a toy spider of some kind. So, I mean, I guess it could go either way. I guess it could be
0: that like just the reenactors didn't want to have tarantulas on them, understandably. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that she actually danced with 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 uh, fixed butters. But um either way, I mean, if it's fake, we have this tarantula mountain, Countess Lensfield's hands and braziers so she has to like pretend to be frightened or Threatened by this thing, if that's the case, if it's real, there's just like a real threat to her that she has to endure in order to make money and survive from men cheering at her being in such danger, right? Which is just goddamn devastating. Um, yeah, Lie Aussie, down. do you want to be on the podcast? He so does, he's such a hemp. Lie down. <laughs> I have this like. Cookie, this like carob cookie that I've been feeding him. That he just wants. Like, I'm trying to give it to him in little chunks to like reinforce him for just lying down and being calm. But he but <laughs> he, he could smell it. He's yeah. like, give it to <laughs> me. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, I think the next part's pretty literal. The old king fell from grace while Lola yeah. fred to save <clears throat> fled to save face in her career. Um. I wonder if they would have killed her if she stayed, if she would have been beheaded as well. Um, Like, I have a feeling that the king was probably safe regardless. But he probably, like, having read that part about, like, um, three days before she fled, he wasn't able to stop the police from searching her. Um, I don't know what form the police would have had at this time either. Um, But literally... (laughs) If she fled, she's saving face. Like I wonder yes. if she would have been beheaded otherwise. Dude,
0: I was just gonna say the exact same thing, and like, uh, calling back to my like earlier Marie Antoinette comparison, like, yeah, that's not an unheard of thing that was happening, right? So, yeah. Marie Antoinette I think died like a hundred years before Lola was dealing with the shit, and like, yeah, it's a it's a legit concern that she would have had, which is like to be sacrificed for. In service of this revolution that's happening against royalty, um, I think that's a really cool, perhaps double entendre.
1: And it's it's funny the way that she's written it too to save face, comma and her <laughs> career. <laughs> I really like that.
0: I do too. Okay, you can go ahead and read the next
1: verse if you are so inclined. Uh, The next one is, and she's singing very sweetly at this point. You caught a fly floating by. Wait for him to drown in the dust, drown in the dust of other flies, whereby the machine is run and the deed is done. Heaven has no word for the way you and your friends have treated poor Louis. May God save your poor... May God save your poor soul, Lola. And then in brackets, italicized. But there is nothing I adore apart from that whore's black heart. Ugh. Mm. So, the
0: very first question I have about this verse is, who is speaking? My mm-hmm. very like my first guess is that it's Louis, um, and that he is referring to here to her here as a spider and so she is the spider doing the spider dance who in her exertion of feminine wiles has caught this fly floating by and again like contrast the floating here with the very beginning phrase which was that she floated in yeah um and so like there's this acknowledgement in this verse that like you just sort of devour men in this way, right, that uh, is a little bit predatory if it's framed um, from this perspective. He's going to drown in the dust of other flies. He's so insignificant. But I love this line, like, whereby the machine is run and the deed is done, because it's both evocative of This dynamic is the very thing that enables, like, this entire system to run. Um, It is, like, patriarchy is the thing that everything is built upon. So, like, we are, our lives are predicated upon this. And then the deed is done, to me, is ambiguous between this um, very sort of legalistic interpretation. Like, when you draw up a deed, you are writing, like, I don't know, like, transferring land ownership from person S to person T. Um, but also, like, the doing the deed is sex, right? Like, that's just, like, a, a euphemism that we use for sex. And so I really like this, perhaps, like, ambiguousness with which this line is de- delivered, which is, like, it's not a mistake that these two things are being conflated, right? That there is... The only way that she can get property and land ownership and any legalistic anything is by her sexual endeavors with dudes, right? That's the only way she is
1: able to have access to any of this. I also feel, and I have no source for this, that I read somewhere that their relationship was not super sexual. And I want to assume that in this verse only because of it's only because it's so passive. You caught a fly floating by. Wait for him to drown in the dust, drown in the dust of other flies. So it's not as if like she's done the catching, surely, but that waiting for him to drown in the dust is not an active stance, nor is uh, drown in the dust of other flies So it was almost like this populist kind of death. Um, Yeah, that's just uh, whereby the machine is run and the deed is done. Like, it's, it's so passive. It's almost as if our narrator is saying, like, yeah, you know, she stuck out her web, and what happened happened. Like, he wandered into it. He commented on her breasts, and, like, uh, whatever happened to him is his own fault.
0: As you're describing this, it makes me think of the
1: Blackguard from the first verse. So sure. Like, I yeah. don't
0: know. He just happened to, like, be the guy who was, like, the poisoner, and then this other guy died. because like. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think you're right, Sen, that, like... It just does seem very, very passive. And I think that the the thing, like one of the things that um, what you're calling attention to makes me think of is that I, this verse in particular for like literal years of my life, I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out who the narrator is here. Mm-hmm. And I don't get it. It seems to switch to me so this like first first ish half of the verse i my um, guess my best guess is that it's louis being like hey like whatever you caught a fly floating
1: by and he's not placing blame yeah yeah right exactly he's yeah, he's understanding his own responsibility that yeah he's like i let myself be caught yep exactly yeah.
0: exactly and like that is the way our system works whereby the machine is run and the deed is done that's just the way that things yep. are done but then There's this, without there being like a break
1: in paragraph, as far as I can tell. um, Yeah, not on the vinyl. Right. There is this, the next one is blaming. And, you know, it's asking for God to save her poor soul. And referring Um. to Louis in the third person, right? So heaven has no word for the way
0: you and your friends have treated poor Louis. That'd be very weird if I said, Sam, there is no word for the way that you and your friends have treated poor Nikki. Like, that's a weird thing for me to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, who is... Fucking speaking, I don't get it. And and also the appeal to God here sort of um, is reminiscent of the super tragic ending that you were talking about at the very beginning of this podcast where Lola dies with like Jesuits trying to convert her to Christianity, right? Yeah. She doesn't care about heaven and whether it has a word for the way she's treated Louis. Mm-hmm. But then, and then- more perplexingly to me is that at the end of this verse where Louis has been referred to in the in the third person, we end the verse with in parentheses, someone saying, But there is nothing I adore mm-hmm.
1: apart from that whores black heart. Mm-hmm. Sam, who is I want to say I wanna say from You Caught a Fly to Dida's Done that it's Louis and then it's like the Bavarian people. Mm-hmm. Um you know placing the blame of Louis' demise on her and then in the brackets but there's nothing I adore apart from that horse black heart it's Louis again right. um, and I want to say that he's not using the word whore in like a a negative way this descriptive like an almost yeah as more like a a loving <laughs> or like uh no, a familiar yeah way i totally get what you're saying there because
0: there's somehow some way a sense in which that line doesn't seem to me dismissive in the way that almost every line that contains the word whore would be mm-hmm. there's something there that is like almost contained within this very short line is the sentiment that Look, even if everybody else considers her to be a whore, like literally there's nothing else I want in the world other than her heart. So like whatever she does, whatever expectations she defies and like whatever inability she has to conform to the expectations of what it is to be a woman in the Victorian area, I I love her. Like there's something Mm -hmm. really pure about that that even even if it's half endorsing the expectations of that time is like, yeah, but I still I still love this like refreshing breath of
1: whatever, and it's the recognition of her black heart. yeah, like it's almost as if they they signed a contract before they started their relationship that's like, okay, I'm gonna use you in this way. You're gonna use me in this way. Um, and maybe they couldn't predict, you know, him abdicating his throne. Um but I want to assume that there's some kind of like agreement in that sense. Um and then he knew as soon as shit got rough that she'd fail. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know.
0: Also, just musically too, here I love the <laughs> the part where it goes like, May God save your poor soul, Lola, Do mm-hmm. do <laughs> Like it just like repeats yeah. like this like calling out of her that i don't know i just i don't even know why i love it it's just nice
1: god is also not capitalized
0: no i was gonna cool. say that that's so cool mm-hmm. yeah
1: okay next yes please um Well, doesn't that just beat all? Miss Gilbert, called to Castlemaine by the silver dollar and the gold glitter. Well, I've seen lots, but never in a million years would think to see you here.
0: (gasps) So again, who is She's, narrating this? Them? Um, who is it? Is it still yeah. Louis? Is it someone else? Who's in and Castleman? Who's seeing
1: her? Exactly. Yeah. Who's yeah. in Australia? Who is she running into? I don't no. fucking know. It seems so casual too, right? Yep. Like someone's walking down the street, they just happen to see her performing. Yep. And they're like, really? What, doesn't that just like beat all? Miss? Gilbert yeah (laughs) that sentiment exactly like like old timey goodness Uh, (laughs) gracious yeah
0: exactly (laughs) um oh so like the idea I don't even really think this needs very much explaining, but that she would be called to Castlemaine by the silver dollar and the gold glitter. Castlemaine was in particular a gold mining city in Australia at that time. So there would be lots of gold miners who were just like waiting for, you know, sex workers and strippers to show up because they just didn't have access to a lot of women, given that these were gold mining towns. Um, Yeah, but who's talking? Never in a million years would I think to see you here. Like, how is
1: that not Louis? I don't know who it is. It could be Louis, though. Yeah, it could be. Like, if, you know, if he had, you know, if he could have FaceTimed her and been like, (laughs) what's up, Lola, um, you know, from his castle or from his, uh, who knows, cave in Bavaria where he's hiding from the people after they've kicked him out yeah um and she was like yeah man i'm just like you know i'm in i'm performing in Castlemaine, and she's like in a mine with all these people i'm sure he would be shocked right, right. to have seen her there and i think it could also just be like a like a self-reflection too like cause she maybe couldn't have imagined that that's where she would be next having had the experiences she just did yeah um Like going from a castle to Castle Main is pretty big. It's pretty big. That's a pretty big step.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Going to appealing. Oh, I I meant to say this in, I don't know, some verse past. But when it's that the Countess of Lansfield appealed to the king of Bavaria, I had meant Mm -hmm. to say then that there are two senses in which we could understand appealed. So appealed as in like this person was attractive to the King of Bavaria, right? She appealed to him, yeah, but there's also this other sense, which I think like I think both are really important, and the other sense is that she pleaded with him, right? Like she appealed to him to yeah, do whatever. And so I think that this is this that that dynamic is sort of happening throughout the song, um because. I, I don't know what sort of colors my understanding of the verse that you just read is. The preceding verse, which is, though like though the long road begins and ends with you, I cannot seem to make amends with you, Louis. When we go out, they're bound to see you with me. Um, like the the use of you here, like she. Mm. Uh, also, there's just like a sense. Just stepping back for a sec. There's just a sense of discombobulation that pervades the song with her switching just willy-nilly from who's narrating this. Like, she does not care if we're following her, especially on the first go-round. And so there's something about that discombobulation to me that speaks to, like, this sort of parallel discombobulation that Lola must be feeling with her life. Like she has to wear all these different hats and she's Miss Gilbert at one point and fucking Countess of Lansfield and Lola Montez. And then her original name, which was none of those things, Miss Gilbert, like Mm -hmm. there's all these things that she has to constantly be juggling and so dealing with like a multitude of identities before the age of 39 or whatever at which she dies is a lot that's a lot and it would feel like this sort of a roller coaster of just (laughs) my dog is whining for cookies but yeah this roller coaster of of identities um yeah
1: the next verse that you just read, though the long road begins and ends with you, I cannot seem to make amends with you. Louie, when we go out, they're bound to see you with me. Just makes me think of how much her identity, both within herself and within the public eye, is tied to her experiences as a countess. Yeah. And how much she's like um, – and maybe just with men in general, like how much – you know, there was that one performance when she or when she did her first few performances. I think it was in England, and they called her out. They yeah. said like, "Mrs. James," yeah, and she was like, "Oh shit, yeah, like, I'm not Mrs. James. I'm Lola Montez." Um, and how much that like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> how much her identity was tied to um, a specific man or a specific role. Yeah, and I wonder how much this next verse is, um. Is tied to that. Yeah. Um, And again, like, do people in Castlemaine know that she was a countess? Is that part of her act? Like, does she introduce herself as that or is that too dangerous? Like, We don't fucking know. We don't know. And it's also when we go out, they are bound to see you with me. Yeah. Who's we? Yeah. Like, I guess you and me, Louise. Yeah. Is she, like, carrying him with her? in some sense, still like. I think she's so here.
0: Like this verse to me, the, the line in particular where she says, though the long road begins and ends with you, I cannot seem to make amends with you, Louis. She, there's like this sort of like fatalism here that just breaks my fucking heart. Imagine having someone in your life that is countries away from you and years away from you. That you used to have a thing with, but like to whom you were not married because he was married to somebody else. Right. And to have this. Hang on a second. But yeah, like imagine having this person that you feel that way towards and you're like, dude, like my life, like the long road the long road of life like that. I feel like she might allude towards, um, in her, in in good intentions, paving company, right? Like this long road of life begins. My life begins once I meet you and ends without you. Right. Even with that devastating fact, I can't seem to make amends with you, Louie. Like we can't make this work. But, the idea of having your whole life being dedicated towards or revolving around in some way or being framed around this relationship you have with this dude who you can never make things work with is
1: just fucking horrible. It's awful. Ugh, I just hate that. And I'm assuming that they had been together for a few years as well so to go from that like all-encompassing kind of relationship Mm -hmm. all-encompassing in the sense that i'm sure they were together all the time blah 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 but also um he's a king like yeah having that sense of power in your life and moving by yourself starting from square one again in a new place um must be exactly uh discombobulating like you said
0: exactly Um, and and as we've been talking about this whole time, like people care about what she does when she's with him. Mm-hmm. And immediately when she leaves him, we just don't know things about her anymore. Like she, they cease yeah. to care. Right. Um, it's just, yeah, it's devastating. And like, I love the, uh, I love the, the pet name slash like nickname of Louis for Ludwig here. Right. Mm hmm. It's just nice, and then yeah, as you said, when we go out there, bound to see you with me. It's the same calling out of the audience that we saw in Sawdust and Diamonds and Monkey and Bear, like when Monkey was so aware of what people were going to think when Bear went splunking down those caves in Sawdust and Diamonds, when everyone was you know watching as they coupled an endless increase, um, mm-hmm. like there's just this performative sense that they cannot escape from and that is just so entwined with like actually what their relationship is that it's sort of inseparable okay sweet listeners that will be it for part two of have one on me we are back next week with the final part part Three before moving on to 81. Um, thank you so much for listening. I fucked up the audio again, so this is just me here at the end. Um, but Sam does a wonderful job running our Instagram. It is a hopeless endeavor uh, podcast. <laughs> um, we have an email. It's a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com Spelt the American way with no U. We have a Facebook page, uh, Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsom podcast. And also we have a Patreon now. So you guys should check that out. Um, Sam and I are working on some new content for the Patreon that will only appear there and not in the regular feed. But um, in the meantime, you guys can get early access to episodes. So instead of getting the episode on Saturday, if you want to get it like five days early, you can get access to it on Monday. So check out our Patreon. I will put a link in the show notes or at least I will try to remember to do so. And I think that is it for now. Please reach out to us with any feedback or thoughts or feelings or theories or whatever you might have. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back with part three next week. And I will see you guys then. Or not see you, but speak at you. <laughs> okay, bye.
1: Ooh